We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy Decoy by Duckhorn. Elevate your occasion. Hey, you're listening to the September 18th, 2017 College Football Show, a road of his radio podcast. I'm Kyle Pollock on Twitter at Kyle Pollock FF, and joining me is my co-host Jordan Hoover at on Twitter at jhoover9787. Jordan, how you doing tonight? I'm good, Kyle. Um... Life is good, man. We got we got NFL rolling right now. Uh, Cowboys are getting beat up by the Broncos currently. Uh, pretty good slate of college football yesterday. Uh, I realized that we're only about two and a half weeks away from NHL season, which I don't know if anyone listening to that even listening to this even cares about that. But being from originally being from Pittsburgh. In case you guys didn't know, the Pittsburgh Penguins are two-time defending Stanley Cup champions. The quest for three starts soon, so a lot of great stuff rolling. Um, had a nice little payday on DraftKings playing NASCAR today, thanks to, shout out to Nick Giffen at Rotodoc on Twitter. Um, with football season in swing, NASCAR's kind of getting pushed to the side a little bit, but he's still he's still putting out really good content, and... Um, if that's something y'all are interested in, definitely check out the site and find out how to uh, get signed up for the rest of the for the rest of the NASCAR season. Yeah, it's definitely something. I know he's one of the top NASCAR players, and 
I don't follow NASCAR at all. I might have to just start taking his picks and using it for DFS as an investment almost because I know he really knows his stuff. Um, like you said, really good week of college football this week. Um, not a ton of like high-profile games, but it was one of those weeks where a lot of entertaining games that came down to the wire. Um, so I, I was pretty you know satisfied watching all those games throughout the day. Um, but the first game we're going to talk about was obviously the big one from this week. Um, Clemson played Louisville. Game day was there. Lamar Jackson was there. Rick Pitino was there. Everyone, everyone was talking about this game. It was the game of the weekend, and Clemson ultimately ended up uh, beating Louisville pretty badly. They won 47 to 21. Um, Jackson had 317 passing passing yards and three touchdowns, but just 50% completion percentage and interception. Um, not super effective on the ground like he usually is. Clemson kind of took him out that way. Um, I didn't watch a ton of this game. I was at the Penn State game again, but. Um, Everything from everything I heard, um, you know, Clemson's defense being their usual self. Um, I know for, at, right at the end of the game, I did see the highlight of uh, Travis uh, Etienne. He's a true freshman running back, had a big uh, touchdown run for Clemson to kind of put the game out of reach for them. But um, overall, Clemson's defense uh, keeps doing what they're doing, and that, that's why they moved up to number two this week. Yeah, I was really impressed with Kelly Bryant as well on the road. A young guy, starter, over 300 yards, almost 70% completion percentage. He he looked in control for pretty much the entire game. Louisville's defense is bad, um, bad. And I know that the, the detractors, Lamar Jackson detractors, will point to this game and say that he's not, you know, very good. Um, it's true that he did struggle in this game, and Clemson's defense is very good. But I'm not willing yet to, you know, f- you know, close the book on Lamar Jackson. But Clemson really dominated for the vast majority of this game, and they they are, you know, clear. They were clearly the better team all the way around. Yeah, compared to some of the other quarterbacks this weekend, uh, Lamar Jackson had a tremendous game compared to uh, you know some of his counterparts for next year's draft class. Exactly. Um, Another, another probably pretty hype game, um, if it were maybe 10 years ago, was uh, Texas and USC. But this one actually lived up to the billing. Um, Texas, excuse me, USC won 27-24 in overtime. Um, Sam Ellinger was stripped at the goal line uh, as he was trying to run in for a touchdown there. Or du- double overtime, excuse me. Sorry. Um, but this, this was a great game. Um, I was really impressed with Ellinger, obviously, um, for a true freshman um, it's tough going on the road, playing the number four team in the country um, anytime, but especially as a true freshman quarterback. So he had his ups and downs, ups and downs, but um, you know, only 21 of 40. But I was really impressed with his pocket movement in this game. He looked like a seasoned pro in that regard. Um, had close to 300 yards, did have two interceptions. Um, Colin Johnson was the big takeaway for me for Texas this game. Seven catches, 191 yards, no touchdowns, but big guy over 6'6". Um, when Texas's offense is on, He's their guy, um, and not not a ton of buzz on him right now, but he's someone um, keeps having games like this. Um, not only is he going to look like one of the, physically look like one of the most dominant receivers in the country, um, statistically he probably will too. He had 64% of Texas's yard, receiving yards last night. So um, Johnson's a big takeaway for me on the Texas side. Um, USC, Sam Darnold, kind of what we've been saying. Um, you take those highs with the lows with Darnold. He had a tremendous, two tremendous throws um, in overtime and double overtime for them. Um, kind of, kind of led them back down the field to tie the game as well. 
after Texas scored late in regulation. Um, other than that, the, the running game um, wasn't up to the usual standard we saw in the first two games, but Texas has a pretty good defense, so that's the one thing they can kind of fall back on. So overall, I, I really thought this was an entertaining game, one of the better games this weekend. Yeah, I, I agree with pretty much every point you just hit. Colin Johnson, um, he looked like the best player on the field at times. He was just really dominant. The size is really intriguing. We've talked about him before. And, yeah, with Darnold, two more interceptions. He just – I'm having a hard time kind of processing how I feel about Darnold. I, you know, I still have him, I believe, as my, as my one, my QB one. But with Rosen's development and Darnold's just kind of inconsistency that he keeps showing, that might switch for me soon. I still like Darnold, but, you know, it's just another kind of, it's just another game where, like you said, it's inconsistent up and down, and that's not necessarily what you want to see. Uh, Texas's defense played pretty well, and USC's run defense was incredible. Um, so they're, they're definitely, they're, they're a tough team, and yeah, Ellinger, like you said, he looked really impressive for, for as young as he is, uh, playing on the road at night. So there was a lot of good takeaways from this game. A lot of young players stepped up to uh, guys that we'll be monitoring moving forward. Yeah, um, going along with what you said with Darnold, I saw on Twitter today he has more interceptions this year already than Josh Rosen had last year all season, than Lamar Jackson had all year last season, and he's at six interceptions right now. Baker Mayfield was at eight all of last year. So those, it seems like he's a little more mistake-prone than some of those guys, but you know, like we've been saying, he also might have um, the highest upside. Um, moving along uh, a little bit south to USC, um, we had UCLA um, falling to Memphis, 48-45. Uh, this game was a shootout all the way. Um, even though Josh Rosen doesn't like football, he still managed to put up some video game-like numbers in this one. 463 yards, four touchdowns, did have two interceptions, um, but also had 32 rushing yards and a touchdown, which is something I wasn't really expecting. Um, Rosen, to me, is looking more and more like the QB1 for this class. Um, I, I was really impressed with him um, this game. Uh, not his fault that they lost this game. He, he did everything he can. Um, they didn't really have much of a rushing attack like they usually do. Um, Riley Ferguson was also pretty impressive. 398 yards, six touchdowns. Um, so, big game for him. And another guy I like, Anthony Miller, um, who I think could be a top 10 receiver in this year's class. Uh, nine catches, 185 yards, and two touchdowns. But big takeaway here for me would, would be Rosen, and the next guy would be uh, kind of happy that Miller showed out on a, a big stage against a Power 5 team. Yeah, that, those, were, those were the storylines. This was the body clock game. And Josh Rosen, like you said, almost you know, over 460 yards in a losing effort, which is a bummer. When they got the ball back there at the end of the game, it almost felt destiny. You know, you almost felt like it was destiny that he was going to lead them down for the win, but wasn't meant to be. Riley Ferguson played really well. And like you said, Anthony Miller had a really big game. Nine catches, 185 yards, two touchdowns. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's I, I guess it's kind of what we thought it was going to be, back and forth, likely high scoring. And Memphis came out with a win. It, and it's a really big win for Memphis, too, um, for the program. Mm -hmm. Um, next one game we didn't talk about this week. Um, it was the SEC East matchup uh, with a team I really like, South, South Carolina, actually falling to Kentucky, who's now undefeated, 23-13. to um, The big takeaway in this game was Debo Samuel got hurt. 
who was in, initially diagnosed as a broken leg. He ended up tweeting out late last night. I saw um, it's a lower ankle fracture, and he'll be back in five, six weeks, which is good because he's been on fire this year. Um, had five catches for 122 yards and a touchdown in this game. Um, didn't take a kick return back like he usually does, um, but he's a guy I love. Um, I'm not sure if he'll end up coming out this year, especially if he has that injury, but um, glad that he's not out for the year, that he's going to have a chance to kind of show out again a little bit later in the year, maybe help South Carolina down the stretch uh, compete for an SEC East title. Yeah, Kentucky, I, I know you really like South Carolina, and this was a game before last week that I was kind of had my eye on as far as the spread was concerned. Uh, Benny Snell, the running back for Kentucky, he had 32 carries, 102 yards, so barely eked out over three yards per carry, but he did score two touchdowns. He's a guy, still young, someone that I like. Um, and, yeah, it's a, it's a big blow to South Carolina because they really they, – the way that things are shaping shaking out right now, it looks like Georgia might be able to kind of control the SEC East. And this was, this was a big win for Kentucky over South Carolina at South Carolina. Uh, so Benny Snell was the guy that – kind of caught my eye he wasn't very efficient with his touches but he did handle the ball over 30 times so that's good to see yeah it's always impressive to see especially when you're going up against a uh, another conference team um another sec game we're going to talk about this uh, this time we're moving to the west um mississippi state actually knocked off lsu in pretty convincing fashion uh 37 to 7 um lsu was ranked number 12 at the time uh, I'm not sure what they dropped to today, but I know Mississippi State ended up sneaking into the top 25 after that uh, performance. Uh, Nick Fitzgerald, their quarterback, 15, uh, 15 completions on 23 attempts, 180 yards passing, and two touchdowns. That's not the story with him. Um, he's a dynamic dual threat guy, had 88 rushing yards and two touchdowns. Um, the guy I was happiest with in this game was uh, Arius Williams. Uh, I think I briefly mentioned him in our SEC preview when we talked about Mississippi State. Um, I have him on a couple of Debbie teams. I've kind of been waiting for him uh, to break out. And he's he's been showing out pretty well these past couple, couple games. Um, had 23 carries for 146 yards in this game. So he's finally kind of getting that work. Um, had 107 yards the game before, uh, just nine carries, and also 83 in his first game to go along with the touchdown. So I'm glad Williams is kind of becoming the workhorse back in that backfield. And he's a guy who I think, um, I don't think he'll come out this year. He's, he's a junior. But... Um, I think maybe next year uh, could be a guy that ends up sneaking on, sneaking up uh, late in the fourth, fifth round, that type of back. Yeah, and for LSU, the game script just got way out of whack pretty early in this game, so we didn't really see the best of what Darius Geis has to offer, obviously. It's tough Mississippi State defense in Starkville. Um, conditions were not set up properly for him to excel. Danny Etling kind of looked like the guy I think that we both thought that he was. Um, you know, under under 50% completion percentage, just abysmal passing game. And I'm starting to worry a little bit about this LSU offense. I, I was pretty high on them coming into the season. I thought that there would be a bit of improvement with the new coaching staff coming in. But it was a pretty, pretty awful effort against Mississippi State. But I, it looks like the Bulldogs at this point are are – kind of flying under the radar and they have a big game coming up at Georgia this week which I believe that we'll get to here in a little bit. Yeah and uh, I know some people have said before the season there was some similarities between Fitzgerald and Dak Prescott um, 
obviously Prescott took them all the way up to number one one year. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but um, Fitzgerald was on the Heisman board with odds before the season, so it's not like it's totally unexpected, but he's a player that could end up being one of the top uh, quarterbacks in the country and could you know, help Mississippi, help Mississippi State rise up to, you know, I could see him getting into the top 15, um, maybe top 10 if things get a little weird. It's college football. You never know what's going to happen, so um, not going to rule that out either. A um, little bit over to the west, um, we have Houston versus Rice. This wasn't a game we talked about last week, but um, the only one we, re- we really want to touch on here is Kyle Allen, um, former number one quarterback uh, recruit in the country, was at Texas A&M, transferred to Houston last year. Um, I'm assuming he expected to be with Tom Herman. Obviously, Herman left, uh, sat out, and is now their starter. Um, he had a tremendous game, was 31 for 33 for 309 yards and two touchdowns. A guy that obviously has the talent, um, just kind of needs to get a little bit more work on his resume, I think. Uh, I think, you know, I was in pretty impressed with him his freshman year um, in the limited opportunity that he had. Um, his sophomore year, not so much, but... Um, I, I, he's a guy we haven't really talked about. Um, Houston's a team I like, obviously, just because they have the talent of a guy like Allen and obviously uh, Ed Oliver on defense, arguably one of the top defensive players in the country uh, at just a true sophomore. But um, what, what are your thoughts on Allen as a quarterback for potentially this year's class or definitely next year's class? Yeah, I'm kind of mixed on him. Like you said, his his resume is is lacking a bit, Even not even so much for numbers but for just experience. He just hasn't played that much. Against Rice this past week, he completed 31 of 33 passes, which is insane. Um, but it's Rice, and not every defense is going to be like Rice's defense. But Allen was a guy that I was kind of intrigued by going into the season. He hasn't. He hasn't. Um, he's completed an extremely high percentage of throws, 86% through two games. But he's thrown two interceptions to just three touchdowns. Um, we just need to see more. I think he's he's someone that I'm I'm definitely intrigued by. Still, it'll be interesting to see if he comes out after this year or if he stays. I think if he comes back for his senior year next year, he will definitely be someone that that would be worth watching in 2018. But that's yet to be determined what he decides to do. Uh, but it was a strong game against Rice, and I just wanted to mention that pretty incredible, uh, pretty incredible line he put up. Yeah, he certainly uh, looked the better of the two Allens so far this year, I think. Yes. Um, moving on, what was probably the most exciting game of the day wasn't necessarily the prettiest game to watch. It was pretty ugly for most of the day. It was uh, Florida versus Tennessee. Florida won on a Hail Mary pass um, with no time left on the clock. They won 26-20. to 20. Uh, Felipe Franks threw a bomb to Tyree Cleveland uh, to put the Gators over the edge. Um, this wasn't a pretty one. Uh, Florida finally scored uh, an offensive touchdown in the fourth quarter, even though they th- their first touchdown they scored, uh, they ended up getting called back. Um, I'm not sure who the receiver was. He had the ball stripped at the one-yard line and ran out the back of the end zone. So uh, at that point, I was convinced Florida wasn't scoring a touchdown this year. But lo and behold, they ended up scoring one the next drive. Um, excuse me, sorry. Uh, obviously, Cleveland uh, with the with the Hail Mary will probably be the big storyline for a lot of people from this game. Um, the guy I want to talk about is on the Tennessee side of the ball with John Kelly. Kelly had 141 rushing yards and touchdown, but he also had uh, 96 receiving yards. Um, a guy that I wasn't 
too sure about going into the year. I know he got some work later in the year, um, even though Kamara was there last year, obviously. Um, but he's been pretty dominant through the first couple of games. Had 128 yards against Georgia Tech, 141 against Florida, and he's had five receptions, a minimum of five receptions in all three games. So Kelly, a guy, I think, as a junior who hasn't done a lot coming into this year, um, is a guy that I think is one of the better backs in the country right now and could end up being uh, you know, a top 10 type back in this year's class, which is very deep. Um, but some of the guys are disappointing, other guys are stepping up, and Kelly is one of those guys that's stepping up. Um, 5'9", 205 pounds, he's got a decent sized build, um, so I I'm pretty excited about Kelly. I'm not necessarily excited about anyone else on Tennessee. I know some people like Marquez Callaway, but I'm not the biggest fan of his. Um, I think especially if Butch Jones get, fi get fired at the end of this year, which um, right now I would say is looking pretty likely. Um, I think Kelly could be a guy that kind of surprises and goes pro this year and gets drafted pretty high. Yeah, 237 yards from scrimmage against Florida is impressive no matter who you are. Kind of reminded me of like an Alvin Kamara game, the way that he last year whenever he would just rack up huge amounts of total yardage. Um, I, I think that Quentin Dormandy um, is frustrating to me because I think that Jarrett Guarantano is actually the better option. He's young and not proven, but neither is Dormandy. And like you said, Butch Jones may get fired at some point during the season or after the season. Um, but, yeah, and, and, man, this was just a crushing backdoor cover. I mean, it was a wild win, and that's awesome for Florida. It's always fun to see a game end like that. But, whew, that just uh, – that was a punch to the stomach. Um, but, yeah, it, Tennessee, Florida, you know, these games are usually fun one way or the other. It was really ugly to start. Like you said, it was – you know, it was 6-3 to three at the end of the third quarter, and then the, both teams kind of exploded in the fourth. But, yeah, great way to end the game, and that's just, you know, that's just another example of why college football is better than the NFL. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Somebody else sees it. Um, the last thing we want to note is that um, two quarterbacks who have gotten a little NFL buzz, one more than the other, obviously. Um, they just flat-out suck this weekend. Um, Josh Allen played Oregon. Um, everyone was kind of hoping, oh, Josh Allen against a Power 5 team, let's see what he can prove. And he proved that he's definitely not the next Cam Newton, like uh, NFL Network had anointed him. He was 9 for 24 for 64 yards and had an interception. Um, I didn't watch any of this game, but I, I saw a couple clips on Twitter, and I can kind of tell from the stat line that Josh Allen might not be the real deal. Um, he's certainly moved down my board a great deal through these first three games. Yeah, they, you pretty much summed it up. Josh Allen against Power 5 competition. We should know by now that that generally doesn't turn out well for Allen. And Tanner Lee from Nebraska, he, I, you know, I tweeted, I tweeted during that game, I said that the Tanner Lee hype train has derailed, rolled over into a gorge, and burst into flames. And uh, obviously that's hyperbole, but... I think that Tanner Lee is who we knew that he was from his first two seasons at Tulane. He's he's basically performing on the same career arc that he's hit uh, playing in the American Conference at Tulane. And I think this might just be who he is. I think that both of these guys will probably get overdrafted just because that's the way that the NFL works. They'll like the way that they look on film, quote-unquote, um, and their size, quote-unquote, but... I just don't really see it with either of these guys, and I feel pretty comfortable 
saying that. I, I just I just don't see it at this point. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, obviously, I think Allen is fun to watch, but um, unfortunately, he's not very fun to watch when he yeah. plays good teams. And in the NFL, you'll be playing other good teams. So, um, yeah, I, I, Allen's been plummeting down my board, and I, I kind of think he's going to drop off a, a lot for um, other teams as well. I saw, I think it was Justice Mosqueda, um, said gave him a uh, Jake Locker type of comp for um, someone that maybe could have came out last year and gotten picked a little higher and then obviously um, fell or didn't live up to his hype. Um, Matt Barkley is another one like that. Um, but with that said, we kind of wrap up. We wrap up our, our week four, week week three, whatever you want to, if you want to count that week one with the um, couple games, uh, the one in Australia. If you want to call that week zero, week one, it's up to you. But uh, we're moving on to the next week with our previews. Um, before we get to that, obviously, we're going to be making our picks for this week. And uh, if you guys are making picks, you should be making them over at my bookie because you, you guys know who's going to win. We know who's going to win. Um, you can lay down cash and win big today. Um, obviously, there's NFL games going on still right now. Um, they have in-game betting, so if you want to go and bet over on that um, Cowboys game going on right now, uh, that they're going to come back against the Broncos, you can go ahead and do that. You can go ahead and bet on the uh, Packers-Falcons game for tonight. Um, and they, like I said, um, they have that in-game betting, which is a pretty cool feature. Not a lot of places have that. Um, they have some of the most rewarding player perks in the business, and their uh, mobile site makes uh, wagering pretty easy to do. Um, so if you use the promo code uh, ROTOCFB to activate uh, the offer where we'll match, uh, they'll match your deposit with up to 100% bonus, um, like I said, just enter that promo code. Um, if you visit mybookie.ag today, enter it over there, and you play, you win, and you get paid. So head on over to mybookie, and yeah, um, maybe you can use Jordanized picks, maybe not. We're no Nick Giffen, so um, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna roll right on over into our picks and try our very best um, to help you guys out with that. First game up, uh, night game. Not sure if it's been announced as an ABC game yet or what, but I know it's a night game. Uh, Penn State is traveling to Iowa which is always a scary proposition for teams. Um, obviously, Penn State's looked pretty good so far. They outscored their opponents 141-14, to 14, but I would say Iowa's kind of their first real test. Um, in the words of James Franklin, we've, Penn State has played Akron <laughs> three times. Um, so uh, Iowa has been solid. Um, their quarterback, Nathan Stanley, has a 10-1 to inter- touchdown-to-interception ratio, and obviously Akram Wadley is their feature back. Uh, him and James Butler both got hurt yesterday. I'm not sure if they'll be playing, um, so that could be a, a factor in this game. Obviously, that that's kind of what their offense runs through. Um, and Penn State's offense obviously runs through uh, Saquon Barkley and uh, Mike Kosecki. Forty percent of their completions have gone to those two. Barkley's really stepped up as a receiver this year. Has over 200 yards receiving. Um, I'm a little worried about this game personally, uh, as a Penn State fan, Penn State student. Um, I remember in 2009 when we lost to Iowa, uh, and they were undefeated. Um, and obviously, Michigan, uh, Michigan lost last year to Iowa too in a night game. Um, so Kinnick Stadium just kind of a weird place at night. Um, Penn State's favored by 12. Uh, I'm gonna take that line. I don't feel good about it necessarily. I'm a little worried about Penn State's pass defense. They, they've obviously they've only given up 14 points, but teams have been able to move the ball on them. Um, obviously with time of possession and stuff like that teams have had the ball longer obviously put up a little bit better stats but Georgia State even yesterday in the first quarter looked like they were able to move the ball against that pass defense 
that's my only concern. I'm gonna take Penn State plus twelve, but I don't feel great about it necessarily. Yeah, uh, you hit you hit on a bunch of good points there, especially the Wadley call. If if he, I I just did a quick search and I couldn't find anything definitive. It's obviously really early. It's it's Sunday night, so we won't know necessarily about Wadley for a couple days, and that could dramatically affect this line, this game in general, if he's out or in. Um, going off the information that we have right now, and I'm assuming that he is going to play, I'm going to take Iowa plus 12. I think that Penn State probably wins this game, but I, I think that it's going to be much closer than 12. I, I think it's going to be, you know, a 6-5, six, 4-point six to six, five, four point game, something like that. Just a tough place to go, night, like you said, night, night game in Iowa, in Kinnick Stadium, Penn State. They have a really great offense, and I think that they'll be able to do some things, but I also think that Iowa will be able to move the ball as well. And I'm a little bit concerned about, like you mentioned, the 40% of the Penn State completions have gone to Barkley and Gasicki. Both of those guys, obviously, tremendous talents, but the fact that they haven't really been able to um, use their wide receivers very well so far is a little bit troublesome to me. I know that production is production, but I'd like to see it spread out because there's talent on the outside for the Nittany Lions. Uh, but with all that said, knowing what we know right now, I like Stanley, I like Wadley, I like what they're doing, and they just kind of grind on you. And this is kind of just a tough, it feels like it's going to be a, t- a tougher game, I think, than, than that line suggests. So I'm going to go Iowa plus 12. All right, next up with the game that I think might be the most entertaining of this week, uh, where I think college game day probably should be, even though they decided to go to Times Square this week, um, which is which is something I found pretty strange, um, is TCU traveling to Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is a 9.5-point favorite. Um, if you didn't see Oklahoma State, their offense was tremendous this weekend against Pitt. Um, they're fifth in the nation in points per game with 54, and TCU is seventh with 49. Um uh, I've been saying it all year. I love Oklahoma State. I love this team. I love their offense. Um, if you've been listening to this show even a little bit, you've probably heard us both talk about James Washington. Um, we, we, we both consider ourselves uh, on the James Washington type train. Um, so definitely um, he's a guy we love. Mason Rudolph, another guy we're a big fan of. And um, Justice Hill has also been pretty impressive uh, for them. Um, Kenny Hill has also been decent for TCU, um, 75% completion percentage, 8-2 touchdown interception ratio. Um, I just think the Cowboys offense is going to be too much. Um, they're 9.5 points favorites, uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take them uh, at home against TCU. Yeah, Oklahoma State just beat Pitt into submission on Saturday. That was a, a drubbing if I'd ever seen one. Some of those shots that they were sharing of the crowd, you know, up on the, up on the scoreboard saying, we'll give you a free beverage if you stay for the whole game. It was just kind of embarrassing, um, but you know that's what Oklahoma State does. If if you're not prepared, they will they will just destroy you on offense. Um, TCU's offense has been really good this year as well. This this sets up as a shootout in every single way. Both teams have really good offense. Both teams have sneaky good defense as well. In at least in points allowed, Oklahoma, or TCU ranks 34th and Oklahoma State ranks 21st, or I might have those flip-flop. But either way, both rank in the top 35 in points allowed. So it's, you know, sneaky good defense as well. And you hit on it, James Washington, he just he just makes contested catch after contested catch. He props Mason Rudolph up, and Justice Hill and King, the secondary running back, 
I agree with you. I just like Oklahoma State's offense too much here. I think that they cover the 9.5. I'll take Oklahoma State at home. Yeah, I'm surprised that line's not a little bit higher, especially since the game's at home. But um, that'll definitely be a game I want to watch this week. Um, Next up, a little bit of a rivalry game. Um, Notre Dame is traveling to Michigan State. Um, And while uh, Brandon Wimbush has been tremendous on the ground this year, uh, he had over 200 rushing yards yesterday against Boston College, um, which Boston College has a pretty good defense. Um, So I've been happy with that uh, because I really like him a lot. And Josh Adams has been good as well on the ground. Um, but their passing attack has been pretty lackluster. Um, Wimbush has only completed 50 per- just over 50% of his passes, only has two touchdowns to two interceptions. Um, Equinemius St. Brown uh, is a guy who I really liked, uh, isn't even their leading receiver. He only has 99 yards on the year. So I'm interested to see how uh, they match up with Michigan State, who has a pretty good defense. Um, obviously, Boston College has a good defense as well, and the, uh, Notre Dame was just able to put up 49 points yesterday. But... Um, I'm not sure with with that limited passing attack if they'll be able to kind of do much against Michigan State just because their run defense is pretty good. Um, LJ Scott from Michigan State hasn't been able to do much either. He's not even their leading rusher. Their quarterback Brian uh, Lorgie is. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but um, not a not a big fan of him. I see him as more of a game manager. But um, Michigan State's uh, plus four and a half. They're at home. Um, I'm going to take Michigan State with the points, not, necessar- not necessarily sh- sure if they'll pull it out. Um, might be a low-scoring tight game, but I think uh, four and a half points I'll take Yeah, it's been, it's been kind of baffling, you know, how bad Notre Dame's passing game is and how, like you said, L.J. Scott, Michigan State's running back, who was, you know, I think we both thought pretty highly of before the season. He's def- he was definitely on my, you know, draft prospect radar. Both, you know... Both have just been underwhelming. Josh Adams, uh, Notre Dame's running back, continues to be productive, just puts up numbers. And Michigan State's quarterback, Luerke, I'm that's what I'm going to go with. I don't know if that's right either, but he's looked pretty good. Uh, like you said, he's um, he's been a factor on the ground and obviously through the air. This is a this is a tough one for me because I think that I think that Wimbush. The way that he's playing right now, at least throwing the football, is is well under where he should be, in my opinion. And I think that eventually it's going to swing back the other way. And I feel like this might be the spot where he kind of takes a step forward from you know where he is right now. And I think Equiminius St. Brown, he's you know he's just too good to have this kind of stat line for too long. I think that they'll be able to move the ball through the air a little bit better. It's hard to take a road favorite, but I, I'm begrudgingly going to take an Notre Dame minus four and a half. This is a really tough one, and this is another one that I don't think I would put actual money on. Um, but I'll go Notre Dame minus four and a half. Yeah, I'm hoping Wimbush is able to kind of bounce back. Um, him and Jared Stidham are two guys that I really liked coming in as a freshman. Um, and I've kind of been waiting for them to break out, per se, as passers. And I thought this might be the year both of them do it, and neither one has kind of shown that yet. Um, that's something I kind of want to watch for as the season progresses. Um, neither of these guys, um, well, I guess Wimbush yesterday actually probably had a tremendous fantasy day. Um, I didn't play against him in my college fantasy league, but um, 
if you did have him, that would have been something over 200 yards rushing for a quarterback. Um, you don't see that a lot, especially in college. Well, you see it more in college, but only with guys like Lamar Jackson, real talents like that. Um, but if you are interested in uh, getting more into fantasy, um, you don't, you know, maybe your team's already 0-2 in fantasy. Um, I know I'm looking like that with a couple of my redraft teams. Um, you're not that into daily, but you want to keep doing those drafts. Um, one place you can do that is over at uh, draft.com. Um, here's how it works. You just do a draft. It lasts for one week, and there's no management. All you have to do is set it and forget it. Um, there's no trades, no waiver wire. They even take care of last-minute injuries for you with the best ball type format. Um, so drafts start every couple minutes. You could join one for next week right now. Um, and the best part is that drafts start for only $1, so there's a draft for everyone. Um, there's no salary caps. You just get to play in a real live snake draft, just like you play with your friends in season log leagues. Um, so come come join us today. Uh, you can download the draft at any time, or you can head over to playthedraft.com. Um, and for a limited time, all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit. But you have to use our promo code RVRADIO, um, all caps, no spaces. That's right. You can play a real money game for free just for using the promo code RVRADIO. Um, again, all caps, no spaces. Uh, if you use that with your first deposit, they'll match it. Um, so just search drafts in the app store or go to playthedraft.com and use that promo code and you guys will be all good to go. Um, transitioning back over to our preview, um, next game up we're going to talk about is Alabama Vanderbilt, which is definitely one that um, I didn't expect to be talking about um, coming into the season. Um, Alabama is 19.5 point favorites, but they're traveling to Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt's been pretty good this year. They have the number one ranked scoring defense in the country, allowing just 4.3 points per game. Uh, and Kyle Shermer, their quarterback, has been phenomenal. 71% uh, completion percentage, uh, 8 touchdowns, so no interceptions. And coming into yesterday, he was the number one quarterback in the country in QBR. Um, so Vanderbilt's a team that um, I know we, I know you really liked Ralph Webb coming into the year, their running back. And Jamari Wakefield, their running back, uh, had a pretty good game this weekend. Um, kind of a team that's built on a similar philosophy to Alabama, I would say, kind of that um, you know defensive-minded team that runs the ball a lot and has a very efficient passing attack. Um, Alabama, obviously, we all know the deal with them. Um, number one team in the country, probably the most talented team in the country. Uh, Jalen Hurts has been solid this year. He had a good game yesterday. Um, I'm not really sure who to take in this game, as crazy as that sounds. I, I think it's a little bit of a, a big spread for Alabama. Um, but if they were able to put up 24 on Florida State, I think they'll and beat them by 21 points. I think they'll be able to cover 19 and a half against Vanderbilt, even though it's on the road. So I am going to take the Crimson Tide uh, plus 19 and a half. This feels like a trap line a bit. Um, you hit on all the all the points. Kyle Shermer's looked really good at quarterback for Vanderbilt. Um, but Jalen Hurts, I think, has kind of taken control of Alabama's offense. Like you said, he had a really good game last week. You know, back back before the season, people were talking about Tua Tagovailoa potentially taking the starting job away from Hurts. I think that that's pretty much been put on ice for the time being. Bo Scarborough and Damian Harris have looked surprisingly average so far, which is kind of puzzling to me. Calvin Ridley has accounted for 46% of Alabama's receiving yards so far. He's just been the dominant force in that receiving core, kind of like we thought he would be with a ton of inexperience around him. Passing game has taken uh, a step forward, I think. Um, this one's tough because I think 
I, I think this is kind of you know it's cliche, but this is this is Vanderbilt Super Bowl, their home, um, bringing in like you said the most talented team in the country. I think that's you know pretty much definitive. I think at nineteen and a half points, I'm going to take Vanderbilt plus nineteen and a half. I think that Alabama probably wins this by around two touchdowns, maybe 17 points, but I think that line is pretty close to spot on. But I'm going to take the home team, the home dog, getting almost 20 points. It's kind of usually my philosophy. This is another one that I don't necessarily feel comfortable putting real money on, but I'll take Vanderbilt plus 19 and a half. That would certainly be an upset if Vanderbilt managed to pull that one off at home, even though it is at home. Um obviously Vanderbilt taking down Alabama would be um, pretty crazy Um, next game uh, which I would say besides the TCU Oklahoma State game is probably the biggest game of the week um, especially in terms of um, division race excuse me division races Um, Mississippi State is traveling to Georgia who's a six and a half point favorite at home Uh, we touched on Mississippi State before Um, they're a team that I think is pretty hot right now um, but on the Georgia side, I uh, haven't heard anything about Jacob Eason, but Jake Fromm has been pretty good. Um, and they have also have three wide receivers averaging over 20 yards per catch. Um, like I said, I really like Mississippi State right now. I think Nick Fitzgerald could give this Georgia defense fits just because going up against a quarterback that's uh, such a great dual threat like he is isn't something that you see every day, especially in the SEC East. Um and I think if Arius Williams can kind of add that factor on the ground, it could allow Fitzgerald to open up for some uh, big, big deep shot type plays uh, if they work off the play action. So I'm going to take Mississippi State plus the points. I'm going to take them outright as well. I really like them. And Georgia just kind of has that inconsistent factor for me. Um, so I think this will be a good game. Might come down to the wire, but Mississippi State. So there you go, guys. Whenever you take advantage of the MyBookie promo code, you can put money down on Mississippi State's money line and pay off your pay off your rent for the month. Listen to Kyle. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, you, like you said, we we touched on Mississippi State in the recap. Fitzgerald and Williams both looking really good. Um, if Sony Michelle Sony Michelle got injured last week and he was kind of playing the one-two punch with Nick Chubb before after Michelle went down DeAndre Swift the really talented freshman that we talked about before stepped in kind of as that you know in his place alongside Chubb if Michelle's out Swift should see more opportunity which I think is a good thing for Georgia I like Michelle a lot but Swift is really talented as well Um, Georgia has big playability a wide receiver they have three wide receivers currently averaging over 20 yards per catch Um, like you said I don't know anything more on Eason so I'm going to assume that it's going to be from again uh, on the start. I think that what we saw last week from Mississippi State, the way that they essentially dominated the line of scrimmage against LSU, which is you know not an easy thing to do, I think that they can do the same thing again, even on the road against Georgia. I really, you know, I love Georgia's running game, but I think that they might have a little bit of trouble getting things going in that area. And if Fromm is forced into you know, uncomfortable situations, I would take an, an attacking, strong, fast defense, Mississippi State over uh, a true freshman. So I'm, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go Mississippi State plus six and a half. I'm not sure if I'll be bold enough to say they'll win outright. I think this is going to be another close game, a close game, I should say. Um, but I'll take Mississippi State plus six and a half as well. Uh, two things I actually forgot to mention. Um, 
excuse me, uh, Bill Bill Connolly over at SB Nation and Football Outsiders puts out the S&P Plus um, every week, and uh, he does the production projection with and without uh, preseason uh, taken into account. So where they ranked in preseason, and without preseason taken into account, Mississippi State has been the number one team in the country based off that um, this year. And that's a metric I like. It's usually pretty accurate. Um, so I just thought that was kind of an interesting tidbit. Kind of shows how hot they've been. And uh, just based off a couple highlights I saw of Georgia's game yesterday, um, Nick Chubb looks back, which is something I, I'm excited to see because I, I love Chubb after his freshman year. And I think uh, everyone is kind of happy to see him back healthy, which is you know something he deserves because he's such a tremendous player. And if he is healthy... I don't think he'll necessarily go in the first round just because of that little bit of health concern still, but a team will be getting a steal in the second round if um, he goes if he goes that late. Um, I think I'll be moving him back up to my probably running back three, um, maybe even two, uh, if he keeps keeps looking good for the shoes class. Um, and then we have one game left to preview before we get to our upsets for this week. Um, North Carolina State is traveling to Florida State. Um, obviously, Florida State hasn't played in two weeks um, because of the hurricane. Uh, this will be their first game with true freshman James Blackman starting at quarterback. Obviously, DeAndre Francois got hurt for them. Um, so it's a little bit of an unknown as a team. Obviously, I think we can trust their defense. Um, they gave up 24 to Florida, but they have talent all over the field there. Um, but with the rest of the offense, we really don't know. Um, we know the offensive line is, is pretty subpar. Um, the running game, not really sure. Cam Akers is only a true freshman, has 10 carries to his uh, name for his whole career. Jack West Patrick has never really um, gotten a lot of touches. Uh, obviously, he was backing up Dalvin Cook. And the receivers are also a little unproven. Um, Auden Tate was the guy we, we really liked, but he only had two catches in the first game. Um, on the flip side, North Carolina State, uh, the big guy for them, a guy that me and you both like a lot, is Kelvin Harmon, uh, and he's been good for them this year. 268 yards and one touchdown. Um, but NC State's defense uh, has given up uh, a little bit of, um, I would say, too many points to teams like Marshall and Furman. They gave up 20 and 16, respectively. Um, just with that, I think Florida State will win the game, um, but after the long layoff, true freshman starting, probably at running back and quarterback with that subpar line and NC State's uh, defensive line, which is the strength of their team. I'm going to take NC State uh, plus 12. Not necessarily sure they'll pull it out, but they always give uh, FSU and Clemson a pretty good, yeah, pretty this good is, shot, I would say. This is tough. You, you hit on a ton of great points there. True freshman starting, James Blackman making his first start, long layoff. We just, you know, we have the game against Alabama to go off of, but other than that, not much. NC State's defense, like you said, is, has been underwhelming for me because I was pretty high on them coming into the season, especially their defensive line. But they haven't quite lived up to expectations, and they you know, they also gave up 35 points to South Carolina in the opener. I think that I'm, I'm kind of, even, even with a freshman quarterback, which is usually something you don't want to bet on, I'm going to side with the talent at Florida State here. I think that they'll be able to get the running game going you know, and I think that Florida State's defense is is kind of the key for me here. I'm gonna take Florida State at home minus 12. It's a big spread. It makes me a little bit nervous on the pick, but I think that Florida State's defense is good enough to hold NC State in check for pretty much the entire game. 
and I think the Florida State will be able to get some things going on offense against an NC State defense that just doesn't quite look as good as I thought they were going to be. All right, and that'll do it for our previews this week, and next up we're going to talk about our upset picks. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. All right, so for this week, for my upset pick, um, it, it was a little bit of a tough week, I think, but um, one game that I do like a lot is Michigan is traveling to Purdue. Um, Purdue has looked really impressive. They just beat Missouri 35-3 to yesterday. Um, Michigan's favored by 10 on the road. Um, they had some trouble with Air Force yesterday. They had a little trouble with Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati hung with them for a while. And, you know, even Florida hung with them without scoring an offensive touchdown. And Purdue's offense uh, will probably be the best offense they, they've faced so far this year. Um, Purdue with points, I don't know if they necessarily win the game outright. I think they definitely have a pretty good shot to. Um, Jeff Brom has been pretty good for them as their new coach. Um, similar to the Alabama-Vanderbilt game, like we were talking about before, this will be Purdue's Super Bowl. It's at home for them. I like them to cover their, um, with 10 points. Great pick. Excellent pick. Um, I think Michigan is overrated at this point, and Purdue is clearly trending upwards, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So I really like that pick. For mine, I'm gonna go, gonna go with a little bit off the board. This game feels kind of weird to me, but I'm gonna go with Toledo plus 14, traveling to Miami. Things are a little bit out of whack in Miami as well. We talked about it with Florida State. Scheduling is a little bit messed up with the um you know all the hurricanes that have come through or hurricane irma um toledo's offense is fantastic um they you know they play against subpar competition but they're averaging 46 points per game logan woodside their quarterback is extremely productive uh cody thompson the wide receiver is someone that we haven't really talked about too much yet, but we will. I guarantee you we will be talking about him right now. He has 22 catches, 391 yards, and four touchdowns. Just been a really dominant force on the outside. I. This is kind of just sort of like a gut call. Like you said, This just looking at these opening lines, not too much jumped out to me, but I'm just going to take a bet on this offense that I think is legitimately good. They're obviously outclassed. Uh, Miami is the more talented team, but I think they can hang inside of a two-touchdown spread. So I'm going to go Toledo plus 14. I like that one as well. Toledo's obviously got a good offense, like you said. and Miami hasn't played in two weeks. Might be in a little bit of a funk with them. Um, and their offense, a uh, little bit of a similar to Florida State, a little bit of an unknown with a new quarterback there. Um, so that'll wrap it up for the show this week. 
Um, hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you guys enjoyed a good week of college football. This week should be good uh, as well. Um, so I'm Kyle Pollock again on Twitter at KylePollockFF. And for Jordan, uh, he's on Twitter at jhooper9787. And thanks for tuning in. Later, guys. Thank you for listening to the College Football Show, a Road of His Radio podcast. Our executive producer is Matthew Friedman. Please rate and review the Road of His Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at roadofhisradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Road of His Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Road of His at a 30% discount through the Road of His Radio homepage, roadofhis.com slash podcast. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. You shouldn't go to Barnes & Noble and buy 10,000 books just so you can build a book fortress and yell out, I am your book leader. You shouldn't buy 147 copies of War and Peace, stuff them inside turkeys, and serve them at Thanksgiving as Terbukens. And you definitely shouldn't buy up all the copies of Dork Diaries, causing the neighborhood kids to stage a protest in your front yard. But you could. Because at the Barnes & Noble Book Hall, you can get over a 1,000 titles for 50% off. Stock up at your local Barnes & Noble. Terbukens are fictitious and should not be cooked at home. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not ready hour foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.